And now, here is Walter Bingham. Hello and welcome to the program for January 16, 2024, which in the Hebrew calendar we count as the 6th of the month of Shvat 5784. I am Walter Bingham, bringing you the stories and the voices that shaped the Jewish world. Firstly, of course, I want to thank the many listeners who sent me their good wishes and compliments for my 100th birthday. I shall try and continue to do my best to inform and entertain you. We are now in the fourth month of war with the terror regime Hamas that has ruled the Gaza Strip, the southwestern part of Israel, with an iron fist. In 2005, approximately 1.2 million of its inhabitants were Arabs and just 8,500 were Jews who lived in 21 villages. The militant movement PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, founded in 1964 by the Egyptian terrorist Yasser Arafat, fermented unrest among the so-called Palestinian Arabs in Gaza and in the Jewish heartland of Judea and Samaria, known as West Bank. They were supported by the heavily outnumbered Arab and Muslim countries that make up the United Nations, as well as by many individual countries that called for the establishment of a sovereign Palestinian state. In the context of the unrest and the international pressure, the then Israeli government, led by Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, believed that if Israel pulls out totally from the Gaza Strip and hands it over to the Palestinian Authority, that already had an administrative role in part of the West Bank, they can establish their own administrative area in Gaza and would eventually become a sovereign state. The handover of all the infrastructure, particularly of the beautiful villages as well as agricultural structures and greenhouses, took place on August the 15th in 2005. Everything was left for them intact. Israel even exhumed the dead from the cemeteries so that not a single Jew, alive or dead, was left in the Gaza Strip. They had it all. It was erroneously thought that this would create a permanent peace. The Gaza Strip has an almost 45-kilometer-long straight and sandy beach that could have been developed into a holiday paradise. In fact, the Strip could have become the Middle Eastern Singapore. Instead, they demolished the beautiful Jewish villages broke up the greenhouses to use the metal frames to build what is now known as an underground network for war. The international community thought likewise and supplied millions of dollars worth of building materials and general aid. In 2006, the corrupt Palestinian Authority was replaced with Hamas, and we know today what the aid was used for. While the by now increased population of 2.25 million did not benefit and was strictly controlled to this day. The organization UNRWA, 
United Nations Relief and Works Agency that also run the education system was taken over and controlled by Hamas, who turned it into an Israel-hate establishment. That brought us October the 7th of last year and forced Israel to act. The Israeli street is fully behind Prime Minister Netanyahu's determination to continue this war until we have freed the remaining 137 or so hostages and fully defeated Hamas' ability to ever recover as a military force by eliminating the leaders wherever they are. Israel's most important ally and supplier of military hardware is the United States, and that is widely appreciated. However, Israel is a sovereign state, and it alone is responsible for the security and safety of the country and its citizens. The theatre of the absurd began yesterday, when for the first time since its establishment the State of Israel has been taken to the ICJ, the International Court of Justice at The Hague, to face accusations of having committed genocide against the Palestinian people in Gaza. The allegations have been made by South Africa, who also requests that the court orders Israel to immediately suspend its military campaign in Gaza. That decision could be made almost immediately. Because Israel is a signatory to the 1948 Genocide Convention and thus therefore recognize the decision of the court in principle. If the case would go against Israel, the international community would have to take note and their attitude to Israel's action may change. Although the two-day hearing will be aired live, the world's media has gathered to try and get interviews with the representatives of the protagonists and to cover the several demonstrations outside the court for and against Israel. It may take months before verdict of the genocide allegation can be reached and Israel believes that it will be judged not guilty, although in this highly politically charged case nothing is certain. Both Israel and South Africa will have one judge joining the existing panel of 15. Former President of Israel's Supreme Court and Holocaust survivor Aaron Barak will sit for Israel. Attorney Tal Becker, the foreign ministry's legal adviser, opened Israel's defence. In a powerful presentation that included voice and video bites, he noted that given the Jewish nation's history, it is not surprising that Israel was one of the first nations in the world to adopt the Convention for the, the Prevention and Punishment of Crime of Genocide. For some people, the promise never again is a slogan for Israel and the first moral obligation, he added, stressing that Israel did not want this war and did not start the war. This is a war against Hamas and Islamic Jihad and other terror organizations whose brutality knows no bounds. Hamas is trying to maximize the suffering of civilians in Gaza while Israel is trying to minimize it.
He said, On October 7, during a Jewish holiday, thousands of Hamas terrorists and others infiltrated Israel from the sea, ground and air. Under fire of thousands of rockets, a massacre was carried out with mutilation and rape. They tortured children in front of their parents and parents in front of their children, burned babies alive and systematically raped women, men and children. 1,200 were murdered. 240 were taken hostage, including infants, elderly, Holocaust survivors and people with disabilities. If there were actions that can be described as genocide, it is the actions against Israel, he emphasized. Becker also noted the responsibility falls on other countries to act against Hamas's stated agenda of destroying the state of Israel, an agenda which Hamas is not secretive about. We now have to wait what the court will decide in the following weeks. The US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has this week made his fifth visit to Israel since October the 7th to pressure our government to agree to an extended ceasefire and, I suspect, using the carrot and stick methods. A ceasefire would only assist the enemy to regroup, steal more of the aid that arrives for the population and continue in trying to kill more Jews. Therefore, there will be no extended ceasefire until we have reached our objective to free the hostages and eliminate Hamas. I am certain that President Herzog, Prime Minister Netanyahu and Defence Minister Jov Galant will have made it clear to Secretary Blinken. I would ask him how he would handle a military insurrection somewhere in the centre of his country. Would he not want to fight until law and order is restored and the leaders arrested or eliminated? Several respected internet sites reported that the Metropolitan Police, that's the police force in London known as the Met, seeks eyewitness reports describing Israeli war crimes in support of the International Criminal Court's investigation in Israel. Posters produced by the Met's counter-terror unit have been spotted at Heathrow and other airports seeking anyone who travelled to either Israel or Palestine, wherever that is, and witnessed terrorism, war crimes, or crimes against humanity to report them to the UK police. The posters are written in Arabic, Hebrew and English. The total number of Palestinians killed in Gaza since October the 7th, according to Hamas, now stands at 22,185, while at least 57,000 have been injured, the Ministry of Health said on Tuesday. That's the Hamas ministry, of course. According to them, Israel has also inflicted widespread damage on civilian infrastructure through widespread carpet bombing. Doesn't Hamas send rockets indiscriminately to hit civilians? How biased can you get? A Met spokesman said the force must 
support the ICJ investigation and has been doing so since 2019. He also said, as the UK's investigative authority for war crimes, counter-terrorism policing through the Met's war crimes team has a responsibility to support the ICJ investigations. Under the terms of the 1998 Rome Statute of War, crimes teams are obliged to support any investigations opened by the ICJ that could involve British subjects, and the posters were put up to meet that obligation. Recently, ICJ prosecutor Karima Khan warned Israel that it must follow the international rules of war. He said... Israel has a clear obligation in relation to war with Hamas, not just a moral obligation, but legal obligations that it has to comply with the laws of armed conflict. It's there in the Rome Statute. It's there also in the Geneva Convention. Well, I believe that these uh, statutes refer to war between sovereign nations, not with a terrorist group. This spokesman has conveniently forgotten Black Friday in Northern Ireland. He continued, Israel needs to demonstrate the proper application of the principles of distinction, precaution and proportionality. As I want to be quite clear, so there's no misunderstanding, in relation to every dwelling house, in relation to any school, any hospital, any church, any mosque, the places are protected unless the protective status has been lost. And I want to be equally clear that the burden of proving that the protective status is lost rests with those who fire the gun, the missile or the rocket in question. And this joker expects Hamas to declare hospitals and schools as having no longer protect status? Is it really the right of the London police to make all these statements? Former Prime Minister Boris Johnson told The Telegraph, this sounds like a worrying politicization of the Met Police, especially, now listen to this, after Met officers were seen tearing down posters of Israeli hostages in Gaza. When I was mayor of London, he said, I made it clear that we would not import foreign wars or disputes onto the streets of London. He suggested the Met would be better off fighting knife crime in the capital than investigating war crimes halfway across the world. As Gideon Falter, the chief executive of the campaign against anti-Semitism, noted the Met's last campaign is utterly surreal. At a time when protesters are marching in London every week wearing Hamas-style headbands, shouting genocidal chants, calling for jihad against the Jewish state and inciting violent intifada with apparent impunity, the Met is concerned with acts of terrorism and allegations of war crimes halfway around the world, potentially even in contravention of the stated position of the British government. Now to a matter even closer to home. Twice in the past two weeks, the Israel government has shown 
a blind eye as civil administration forces demolished a number of Jewish buildings on homesteads near the town of Pnekedem in Gush Etzion. Last week, six houses have been destroyed so far, including one with a family living in it. Residents claim that during the demolition, their mobile phones were confiscated to prevent them from recording it and to call for help from outside. The area was declared a military zone, closing even access to Pnekedem. Residents who were on their way to work were blocked by police for lengthy periods of time and were only allowed to continue after extensive questioning. Residents of those homesteads are still having trouble digesting what happened. While many of them are on reserve duty since the beginning of the war, the military administrator has decided to send large numbers of officers on a crusade of destruction of their homes. That's no less cruel than what our enemy did on October the 7th, particularly as our brave soldiers are fighting and dying on the front lines. All around that area are a great number of illegal homes built by Arabs, threatening to encircle the Jewish villages, but they remain untouched. Those are the events that have been related to me. If all this is correct, then it is an outrageously disgraceful action. Does the military administrator of Judea have no other priority at a time when Israel is at war against terrorism and some 137 of our brothers and sisters are still held as hostages by the enemy? The commanders and security services who took part in destroying these Jewish homes should be sent to the front lines in Gaza where they can exercise their lust for destruction and serve to protect Jewish property instead of destroying it. Oh, I would love to face those bastards. On the one hand, that could be a clear sign of a covert plan to establish a Palestinian state in Judea and Samaria, but I believe that it is more likely to be a display for the consumption of the U.S. and international community to try and show that Israel is paving the way for a two-state solution, although I believe that this is far from the minds of the Netanyahu government. Either way, to sacrifice Jewish homes on the altar of some foreign politician's whim, who are in power today and gone tomorrow, is a chilul Hashem, a desecration of God's name. I also believe in the cry, From the river to the sea, Israel shall be free through sovereignty. As for those who loudly acclaim Palestine, do they know that it's the only country in the world that never existed before it was occupied? To end on a lighter note, even if one would spend several months in Jerusalem, it would be almost impossible to visit all the historic sites, study the history of this ancient land which is displayed and explained in our excellent museums, or experience some of the many seasonal events that this wonderful city stages. Exploring Jerusalem can therefore sometimes feel like cultural overload, and it's therefore important to occasionally take a break 
that is a total diversion. Of course, meal breaks provide an opportunity to chill out and Jerusalem has many restaurants that offer excellent menus. But if you want a gastronomic delight, as well as a quite a different and unique experience, then you must visit the Kum Kum Tea House in the fashionable Baka area of the city. That will make you feel as if you're in one of the quaint places one occasionally comes upon in the English countryside. The address is Derech Bethlehem, that is Bethlehem Street 23. It's impossible to miss because even the entrance is highly decorated with a dense flower arch. Once inside, there is a display of typically English china reflecting the establishment's name. The shelves are laden with tins of fine tea in every conceivable flavour. Everything is for sale. Once seated, you can enjoy typically English afternoon tea with a variety of beautifully presented sandwich squares, scones, cream and jam topped with petit fours and, of course, tea in a china pot. Typically, English tea would be regular tea and a jug of milk. You can also choose individual items from the menu, including soup, sandwiches and other food. The reputation of this tea house has grown to the extent that it's advisable to book because sometimes one might have to wait for a table. It has become the favourite for locals. The phone number from Israel is 077-537-3226. Opening times are Sunday to Thursday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., Fridays only until 3 p.m., and because it's kosher, it is closed on Saturdays. And with those pleasant thoughts... I end for today. Until the next time, this is Walter Bingham wishing you a very pleasant and safe week. And in this inclement weather in many parts of the world, it's very important to care for the elderly who may not be able to go out, not even to do their shopping. So please look in on your elderly neighbors. You have no idea what a difference it will make to them. Thank you.